When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen? Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher, Double Twist. You get the idea. Lots of nice uh, applications out there for you to download podcasts. Well, we're five games into the regular season. I'm going to try not to just go game, 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 game like I do sometimes. Sometimes I'm more into notes and game. It'll kind of be a little bit of both, I guess, here and there. Well, guess what? It's Sunday evening. Sunday night football is flashing in the background, and the wild game just ended. You know, what is this, Purple Mafia or something? No, it's Brave the Wild. The Vikings are off, and Brave the Wild. I'm recording it on a Sunday night. Hmm, weird, but of course this is during the lawn season still, so the whole Thursday week-by-week deal is out of the question, so it's kind of like record when I can at this stage of the season and all that good stuff. Minnesota Wild started off the season 4-1. and one. We just lost to the National Predators' first loss of the season, unfortunately. The Wild went 2-1 to one in the season opener in Anaheim, 3-2 to two in Los Angeles, so we actually sweep the California Coast uh, deal, at least a you know, couple of Anaheim teams, the Los Angeles visit. A lot of times that was two losses. The Wild then have an epic, beautiful victory over Winnipeg on the 19th of October. Wait three days and have kind of a defensive, grinded out, gritty game where the Wild survive and win in overtime versus the Anaheim Ducks. So 2 0 versus the Ducks. We play them one more time in January to wrap up the season. We've already won the season series versus the Ducks, which is good, but they certainly look better than last year and Nashville. After an awful 1-4 start, looked a lot better today against the Minnesota Wild. Felt like one of those typical early weekend afternoon games where the Wild come out flat and stay flat most of the way with a couple of little moments here and there. Nashville gets their second win of the season. The Wild get their first loss. And the St. Louis Blues are the only undefeated team remaining in the Central Division. Chicago has never led in a game. So all of us that were thinking Chicago is ready to rock and roll, well, maybe not. I suppose, though, I mean, many, many, many games to go. Colorado's 2-3, and three, so can't get too down about it. So we'll kind of talk about the five games without, like, going superly into detail, mostly notes, and then some conversation here and there, maybe some stats here and there. This segment, second segment, will be three games to preview. I'm just going to assume maybe, hopefully, I'll be able to record maybe next Sunday again. Just, we'll see, maybe. Well, actually, probably not. Maybe on Saturday, but I'll just assume... We'll see. Maybe I'll record Saturday night. Who knows? Anything could happen. Maybe it'll be Monday morning the next week or something weird like that. Uh, Vikings actually play in the nighttime, so maybe I'll record earlier on Sunday. Who knows? Uh, We play Vancouver, Seattle, and Colorado in segment number two. We'll talk about those. 
And then, of course, fan interaction, thanks to Derek Felska, crease and assist, always uh, sending out the bat signal. I even sent one earlier, just in case uh, <laughs> just in case he's a little busy, maybe he's, who knows? I mean, you never know if somebody's driving or something hundreds of miles, so <laughs> God only knows what could be going on. Apologize if I'm babbling a little too much here, though. So the Anaheim game, the 15th, the season opener. Cam Talbot starts the first four games of the season, which I was already kind of talking about. Uh-oh, are we, are we overusing Cam Talbot, this and that? And then today, when Kakinen goes in, he doesn't look sharp. He just wasn't sharp, and pretty much the whole team wasn't sharp. It was an extremely frustrating day versus the Nashville Predators. But it was a nice little, nice little defensive battle. Uh, Talbot faced 29 shots, stopped 28 of them. Anthony Stollers, the backup goalie, because John Gibson was unavailable, stopped 43 of 41 shots. He was actually outstanding in the game, as a Canadian would say. He was outstanding. Anthony Stollers versus the Minnesota Wild was very impressed with that. Kevin Fiala was able to score. Uh, and the answer to the, uh, the whole... Uh, <laughs> the whole deal where who would score the first goal of the season ended up being Kevin Fiala. So Kevin Fiala did get to have the opening goal of the season, much to everyone's excitement, at least for the most part. Kevin Fiala did get to answer the trivia question. The first goal of the season was on the power play, which got our hopes up with the wild special team situation going into, yeah, the wild special team situation going into this season. Last year we started out terrible on the power play, it was historically bad, and then luckily things kind of caught up a bit. Averages caught up and all that, so yeah, I mean like 5%, that's insane. Like, nobody's that bad. And now it's kind of going that way the other direction. The Wilds stuck at the penalty kill? Where's this coming from? So yeah, I guess we suck at the penalty kill now. Uh, yeah, we suck at the power play one year, we suck at the penalty kill the next, you know, uh, that's uh, that's Minnesota sports for you. Uh, it's bull crap. It, it really is. But, well, <laughs> yeah, the Wilds are completely outmatched. I've, pretty much my mind is stuck in the freaking Nashville game after this wonderful start. I was so cool to see Marcus Foligno score that thing in overtime, or excuse me, actually it was a walk-off, basically with hardly any time left, three seconds remaining. It might as well have been overtime, but Marcus Foligno on the ground raising the puck past Stolars, much to his heartbreak, I got to imagine, a very unbelievable game. He was just frozen in position, and that was heartbreaking for him, but understood. Great start for Marcus Foligno. Uh, he got to see the Superman punch against the Winnipeg Jets. That was extremely funny, extremely entertaining, lots of energy there. We'll get to that momentarily, but uh, at least he got the win in Anaheim. That felt good, obviously. Season opener, again, the 15th of October. He moved to the 16th. Okay, Kakinen's going to be a net. No, I guess not. Maybe in the past it would have been Darcy Kemper when he was always good against the Kings in the past. Now he's the Colorado goalie. Interesting. Uh, a bit of a uh, bit of a battle here, obviously. And Drew Doughty made a statement saying that uh, basically he's in Kaprizov's head. Basically that type of thing. Well, thanks for that, uh, Drew Doughty. And I don't know. I'm not offended by it. A lot of Wild fans were. I'm not. It just kind of is what it is. Dmitry Kulikov was able to get Hulikov was able to get one of his rare uh, assists in the game. That always felt good. Ryan Hartman getting into it, and it was a very physical battle. That's pretty much been every game so far. It's been a physical battle. That just seems to be part of the Wilds game. Obviously, it kind of always has been, but it really is nowadays. More and more attitude out there than ever. Ryan Hartman was chirping back and forth. 
with Drew Doughty and then wind up wound up scoring like moments later. That was pretty cool to put the Wild up three to one. Hobadar with uh, Hobadar. Now I'm getting stuck with Hobadar and Hovanov and and Haril Harisov. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Seems like the K's are all silent now, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Kopitar would get his fourth goal already. How incredible is that? Four goals in just a couple games for uh, Ante Kopitar. Los Angeles Kings look uh, absolutely fine. Drew Doughty had his fifth assist already on the season. That's how good the Kings started out the year. That was at the beginning of the season here, folks. Obviously, the Wild started later than a lot of other teams, so that's part of the issue. But still, that's an impressive stat. No, that was only two games. Kings just had a absolutely spectacular performance before that. But generally speaking, it was fun. It was exciting. Brandon Durham looked like he had a goal, and then the referee said basically that he raised the uh, goalie pad. Hard to tell on that one. I guess. I guess. I guess they raised the goalie pad. Whatever. Uh, him being Brandon Durham, and Brandon Durham was denied his first goal at least for a couple more days. Unfortunately, looked like it was going to happen. There was all kinds of chirping back and forth in this game. It's ugly. Uh, hockey is getting meaner and meaner, isn't it? Uh, Jonathan Quick. Uh, also, well, that was the one. Jonathan Quick thought that uh, it was like, no way, no way that's a goal, basically. And then Jonathan Quick got his way. He might be a future Hall of Famer, unless he should be. I got to think with what he accomplished in the past. And he looked pretty good in this game. Luckily, the Wild were able to escape with a 3-2 to two victory, <clears throat> despite Hobadar making things scary and interesting down the stretch. Cam Talbot was pretty sharp in this one. Again, strong start to the season for him. And you get the wild, crazy mess in XL Energy Center. And the wild have given up a lot of goals in XL Energy Center in two games. Ten, in fact. Ten goals in two games. No, it was ten goals in the two games with the Winnipeg Jets. Excuse me, I forgot we played the Anaheim Ducks a couple of days later. But you get the idea. A couple of very nasty games when you consider Winnipeg and Nashville. We'll just say in the division, it's been really nasty. Uh, Eleven goals given up. Pardon me. No, ten. Ten goals given up <laughs> in that matchup. Um... Might as well be 11 at this stage because it was just an overall wild and crazy back and forth couple of games here. Uh, even the Ducks game was pretty physical and frustrating and maybe not like Getzloff at all. Very entertaining 6-5 to five win versus the Winnipeg Jets. It was one of those phenomenons where you gave up on us, you walked out, and we, and we still won the whole Furious Rally thing, but maybe they're a little better than the Furious Rallies of the past are the Minnesota Wild. Very impressive performance overall. Uh, Drew Lertzenek would get his first three goals of the season. That's right, three. They weren't pretty, but goals are goals, and they went in. That's just bottom line. And the goal, the overtime one was pretty because it was a beautiful tic-tac-toe play. The first line, the top line, looked absolutely great for the first three games or so, and then not so much since the last two games with Anaheim and the Nashville Preds. The top line was absolutely great. It was like they were playing his day, the best line on the team. And then the uh, quintessential third line also has been great. Generally speaking, Felino, Hartman, Greenway. But it's more Felino than anybody else. Felino and Hartman. Greenway has just been invisible in a lot of cases, i got to say. <clears throat> Matt Zuccarillo is just racking up the points. Four points against the Winnipeg Jets in a very, very epic battle. Both goalies weren't really on their game in this one. They weren't as sharp as you'd like. Hellerbuck or Talbot. And at the same time, both teams came out with an unbelievable amount of energy. So they deserve some credit. Obviously, the Wild, of course, and the uh, Winnipeg Jets. It was one of those crazy nights where it looked like it was going to be... It was it was all over. It was 5-4. to four, It was 6-4 to four, as the goal was scored. 
and it looked like that was it. Uh, Kyle Connor looked like he had scored again, and then next thing you know, it would have been a yeah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, there's an offsides call, and what the hell, offsides call, and then Drew Larksonet gets his second goal of the game, shocking the world basically with about. 99 seconds, or about 59 seconds remaining in the third period. I couldn't believe it. The Wild had it tied up. Somehow, some way, it's like, just turn it off, let's go, let's end this thing. And I'm going to fess up to something. I'm going to fess up to something. So, I come back. I usually watch the game on replay, because a second shift. Occasionally, I'll catch the end, and then watch it on replay later. I was watching the end. When the Wild went down 6-4, to four, I just had bleep this. Turned it off. Turned off the application, basically, because, yeah, I was watching it live that way. Drove home. And as I was driving home, I got this notification saying Jewel Erickson Eck wins, wins it for a while, 6-5. I'm like, what? How? how? How could they have won 6-5? It was 6-4 Winnipeg. Went home. Caught up on everything as quick as possible. Of course, then watched the replay, and it's just blown away. I, I just couldn't believe it. Jewel Erickson Eck not only tied it, but then won the game with the hat trick. I was like, okay, Jules Eriksson had two goals, right? No, he had three. He was the one that tied the game up as well. It was beautiful. It was absolutely spectacular. And yeah, what I was watching was great. It's like, yep, it was like spoiler alert, but it's okay. Let's just see how it happened. Let's see how the beautiful comeback happened. And it did. It was much more like legitimate than the furious rallies of the past in the Suter era, Suter Parisi era, Pominville, guys like that where they'd have a furious rally and come up short. And we'll see you next year. You know, against the Dallas Stars, multiple, like, furious rallies. One of them helped the Wild extend the series for one more day, and the other ended up being, well, just a cute little rally that ended up coming up short. Uh, Kyle Connor looks like a fantastic player. He's a guy that could get a hat trick. It sure looks like it, right? He pretty much should have had one, but nope, he didn't because of uh, the mistake there with the uh, <laughs> offside call. A very rare offside situation there in terms of an empty net. Like, I don't know how you get an offside in that situation, but, uh, well, sucks to be you, I guess. Uh, no disrespect, man, really, I'm just saying. Good for the Wild and sucks to be the Jets. Alex Goligoski added two assists in the game, which made everybody feel like a million bucks. No question about it. There was so much energy throughout this one because I was watching as much as I could live and then caught up on the rest of it later. Uh... There was so much freaking energy. And that fight, Felino with a Superman punch. I mean, just the energy. Before the fight, during the fight, after the fight, as he just flew off that ice and threw his gloves on the, you know, threw his gloves on the bench and flew into the locker room because obviously there wasn't enough time left in the period. It was uh, unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Because it was like, we're finally in front of our fans because against Brandon Dill in the fight finally against our fans again and it was just most unbelievable feeling for a lot of players we were finally playing the winnipeg jets again for the first time in 22 months or so what was it like uh, Jan uh i think it was december 2019 right or was it january 2020 but yeah i think it was december and then all the different players that were still on the roster completely different vibe since then uh, obviously, you had Eric Stahl. You had Koivu still in the lineup because he wasn't on the team last year. You had, of course, Breezy Suter and many others. You still had Dubnik. Dubnik was still the starting goalie most of the time. Alex Stalock. Isn't that crazy? 
Isn't that crazy? Obviously, Kaprizov hadn't suited up yet. Of course, yeah, there was no Zuccarillo. Uh, was there, yes, pardon me. Wasn't having a good season or anything, but he was here. But uh, absolutely spectacular comeback. Man, Chicago's losing 6-3 to three right now to the Detroit Red Wings at home. Jeez. Well, so much for the Blackhawks. <laughs> and I'm not feeling too bad about it. It's like, it, what is this, the, the late 90s? Detroit's whooping up on Chicago. Chicago's not so good anymore. They're going to drop off and suck for a while going into the early 2000s before they get Patrick Kane and Taves and all that nonsense and Detroit's the best team in the... No, Detroit's still not that great, but they're, it looks like they're getting better. And Chicago, so much for all that uh, wonderful uh, flower in, in the net situation, huh? Sorry, um, this feels like Purple Mafia. It really does, because I'm looking at... Uh, I would usually look around the NFL during the second segment and watch uh, Sunday Night Football in the background. San Francisco's ahead 12-7 to over the Indianapolis Colts, where the Colts just get the ball back just now. Fourth down and all that cute stuff. Sorry about that. Check out Purple Mafia, Minnesota Vikings podcast, hosted by... Some guy, some guy, I don't know who it is. You can figure it out probably when you turn it on if you're interested enough to do so, hopefully. Um, entertaining, extremely fun game. Had everybody feeling like a million bucks. It's not just that we're 3-0. and It's just how it's the attitude, the personality of this team made us all feel like a million dollars. Like we're standing up to these tougher teams. These, these tough teams are not going to beat us up anymore. We're going to come back and actually win games rather than make a cute little comeback but still come up short and then you have games like Anaheim where it was just a physical grudge match the entire bleeping day Wild wind up going 4-0 with a 4-3 victory over the Anaheim schmucks John Merrill who is a big fan of Larry Bird and kind of looks like him a little bit too and I like Larry Bird as well I'm an old basketball fan he said he's a big basketball fan and he loved Larry Bird And John Merrill I love you I absolutely love you because I love anybody that respects and looks up to the old school like that. I mean, John Merrill, you rock. Thank you. Thank you. Because I can't imagine John Merrill saw a whole lot of live Larry Bird games. Granted, you know, like the age of most of these players, even the, the more veteran ones like John Merrill, Larry Bird stopped playing in 93, uh, 92, pardon me, way back in the day. So pretty cool. Somebody that would catch up and respect the Boston Celtics of the 80s and super early 90s. Pretty awesome. So, and he was able to get his first first goal with the Minnesota Wild. I believe he only had five points last year, and they were all assists. So, <laughs> nice to see John Merrill score a goal. Nice shot, Larry Bird. Uh, which one of those sons of guns is taking second, right, in a three-point matchup? Of course, a lot of swear words are thrown in. Brandon Duhame would score this time, but uh, he, was, he was a post. Brandon Duhame was like this extra post on the ice. No, yeah, how it went off his skate and ricocheted into the net. Thank you, uh very much for that. Uh, but we'll take it. Hey, you know, goals are goals. And if Jules Erksonek uh, scores that way off his chest, off his face, off his skate, and makes a nice play off a tic-tac-toe in overtime to defeat the uh, Winnipeg Jets, an arch-division rival, doesn't get much better than that. And that made us all feel like a billion dollars. Not a million, a billion. Might want to check out Shiba, <laughs> the Shiba uh, cryptocurrency for the billion dollars as well, or at least a million coming forward. Why is my phone buzzing like crazy here? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, Brandon DeHaim was able to get his first goal, and that's how it goes. Uh, Matt Dumba already three assists on the year. Ryan Getzloff didn't uh, make any more fans in this game. Gosh, Ricard Raquel already four goals on the season. Nice start for him. Two goals in this one. 
Uh, in particular, John Gibson was not that great. He was okay. He had some big-time saves. But the Wild showed up and got the job done. Talbot, not as sharp. When it's like twenty, only 24 shots, and he gave up three goals. And it wasn't the sharpest thing, but he did make the saves he needed to to put the Wild in a position to win. Similar to the Winnipeg game, where he made a huge, huge save. It looked like the Wild were going to lose the game, almost for sure, in a two-on-one situation, where moments later, Erickson Eck was skating down the ice and wound up with a tic-tac-toe play with him and Kaprizov. Uh, Zuccarello, Kaprizov, two. Jewel Erickson Eck, because I backtracked to that one. And we all felt like a million dollars. Kaprizov would not get another point the rest of the way here, unfortunately. Jewel Erickson Eck didn't score against... Uh, the Ducks are getting an assist or anything like that, but a definite back-and-forth type of game, a very cheap moment with Getzloff cross-checking uh, Brennan DeHaime in the back right around the same time he scored, but, uh, well, if you're going to hurt them the most, hurt them up on the scoreboard, and good thing Brennan DeHaime was able to do that, even though he was just picking up his stick, and the puck went off his skate. <laughs> if you're going to score that way, I guess that's good. Good job being in the right place, you know? Taking the uh, taking the lumps it takes to be in that position close to the net. That's kind of how it is. Uh, him and Julius Janecker, that guy, kind of like Kaprizov was before, or excuse me, uh, Parisi was before, and Kaprizov is at times as well. But a nice, solid win for the Minnesota Wild, nonetheless. Despite uh, guys like Ryan Getzloff who need to go away, and that's all. <laughs> I would feel a little better if he wasn't on the ice anymore. But uh, at least he won a Stanley Cup way, way back in the day in 2007. When one year before I started recording Brave the Wild, yeah, when he was like a rookie or second year guy. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, old show. Old guys and old shows. But uh, definitely a solid win for the Minnesota Wild to escape when they didn't play all that great. It was kind of a eh game. And then today, that eh energy was on. It was in full force pretty much the whole way today. With the exception of the fourth line, it was just, eh, you know, it was awful. Nashville going up 3 nothing in the first period didn't make me feel so good. And I don't think anybody felt good. Uh, the fans were booing in the game. You had a guy named Connor Ingram in net getting his NHL debut. And you know what, Connor Ingram, welcome to the NHL. He did a wonderful job. The Wild did attack him. They did the best they could. Well, sort of. With the lack of energy or lack of whatever. But, of course, it is a back-to-back -back situation. So maybe the energy wasn't the same especially after the bloodletting game we had just the night before. Uh, but Connor Ingram, good start. Good job. Third-round pick by the Tampa Bay Lightning, apparently. Was able to get the job done, and all respect to him. Save percentage over 94 in the game. <sighs> the Wild had so many opportunities to get something going and just didn't capitalize. Uh, shots were blocked. Jordan Greenway... Hunted with only one shot on net. I mean, I, I don't know how he didn't even get it on net in some situations. Just poor placement, inaccurate, whatever it was. Jordan Greenway doesn't impress me at all. Uh, and I don't know. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder what we could get for him if we actually did trade him. If we actually uh, were able to do that. Luckily, we have a general manager that does have the balls to do something like that. And don't be surprised if Jordan Greenway is not on the team soon. But uh, in the next few months here. I'm not saying soon like tomorrow, but in the next few months... I don't think the Wild resigned Jordan Greenway. I don't think so. Uh, we'll see how many people ask about that in the Twitter moving forward during the course of the season. I don't know if somebody's going to ask that today or not, but possibly. Nashville was just a better team from opening face-off to, you know, the, the final ticks of the clock. It was it was freaking 
frustrating at the end of the day. Brandon DeHame would get an assist along the way, which felt good. I'm very happy that he was able to get that. Fourth line played great today. Uh, that was on the Nico Sturm play. Nico Sturm's first goal of the season very, very late in the second period to put the Wild back within three. Back within three. Uh, again, after an awful first period, trailing three to nothing, Nick Bukestad was able to score. He felt a little bit better. Um, nice lead pass by John Merrill. Nick Bukestad was able to be onside, thankfully, because sometimes guys just, you just mess up and you, you skate a little too far and it's too late. The puck is not there yet and you're screwed. But luckily, Nick Bukestad, wise enough, wily veteran to get that done. And he made a great, he had a great game today, Nick Bukestad. He was probably the best player on the Wild today, I got to think. But generally, that fourth line played their butts off. And the National Predators were getting extremely frustrated with them, actually. Whereas the rest of the team, there just wasn't much energy. Kaprizov probably had one of his weakest games with Minnesota thus far. Fiala would have tons of chances, but got stopped every bleeping time. It was frustrating. He was fantastic in the game. He was the best guy to not score, I'd have to say. He had six shots on goal, and those were legitimate chances. Very impressive overall performance by Fiala. It's a doggone shame, though, that nothing went in. Nothing. No points. Nothing to show for it, but wonderful effort by Fiala. i got to think he's going to break through one day very soon. Hopefully he gets a hat-trick. I'm dying for that hat-trick for Fiala, and it isn't all just in one game, but it's in many games. Lots of telling stats in this particular game, though. Nice to see. Bukestad actually had a winning percentage in the face-off line, in the face-off circle. Hardman was mediocre. He lost 11 and won 8. Frederick Goudreau was actually especially 7 and 5. Holy crap. Nico Sturm 5 and 0 oh in the face-off line, circle. <laughs> Impressive. There were times last year he was like 1 and 8 or something, but looks like he improved on that in the offseason. That's for sure. But a telling stat here. This is your top-line center. This is one of the reasons why the Wild just stunk today. Julian Janek was just like a tad slow on all of them. Five of eight, five and 18. Not of 18, five and 18. Five of 23 if you do the math. Yowza. That's not going to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. It was pretty, pretty damn lousy at the end of the day. Pretty damn lousy, and that left a lot of us uh, with a very, very, very sour taste in our mouth in a game that just sucked. It just sucked. I think I've talked enough now in this first segment, but uh, generally, again, nice nice start. It just sucks uh, coming out of this first episode with a sour taste in our mouth. I wish I was able to... It's all because of this damn back-to-back, isn't it? I would have recorded maybe today. I would have recorded uh, today. Maybe we have this crappy game tomorrow or something. <laughs> Yay! 4-0 start! Rah-rah! We survived even when we didn't play well against uh, you know the Anaheim Ducks. We didn't play so hot and we played Kind of well and kind of not well against Winnipeg. Goaltending wasn't so good. Winnipeg was just, you know, it was two teams playing extremely well and two goaltenders that weren't at the absolute top of their game versus Winnipeg. Generally speaking, there was just so much energy on both sides of the, of the, of the ice, both teams in that one. And then today it was one team had a lot of energy with Nashville, a team that was one and four and ready to get their butts back in gear. Uh, and they looked like the Nashville that made the playoffs the last X amount of years. They, that's who they look like uh, in today's game. Let's pass out the awards and get on to segment number two and all that good stuff. So, for segment number two, of course, we'll have the three preview games and then wrap up that segment with the kiddies, the prospects segment. Kind of mixed in. It's like a segment within a segment is basically what that is. Um, 
the Mike Madonna Award winner for this episode. Ooh. I, I, if it was after the first two games, it's Cam Talbot, without a doubt. If it's after... Okay, let's just shut up. If it's after the third game, it's Jewel Erickson because he played well and then had the hat trick and all that. Uh, I'm going to give it to Matt Zuccarillo. I think he was generally the best player on the ice overall. Kirill Kaprizov, wonderful statistics and all that. Five points in his first three games. Great statistics uh, overall. Five assists, all assists, no goals. Uh, Fiala, I, I think, played very well. He got one goal, two assists, and all that. Um, Jewel Erickson the three goals and nothing since then, generally speaking. Very impressed with the fourth line. Nico Sturm, Brennan DeHame, and Mr. Nick Bukestad. I think they all played absolutely great the entire week. But the one guy, it's got to be Matt Zuccarello. Uh, he actually leads the team in scoring right now. You could even say it's Marcus Foligno because he played so well. He had a game-winning goal, and he's just been everywhere. He's like the absolute emotional leader of this team. There's no question about that. Uh, you could almost put those two guys on top there, both together. Zuccarillo, the most consistent overall. And uh, Foligno, you don't see any dumb mistakes ever. Zuccarillo, he did get some crappy penalties. It was just a back-and-forth penalty nasty situation with the Wild. Where again, the power play, or penalty kill has been really awful uh, thus far on the season. But, uh, so with that said, the James Shepard Memorial, it may have to go to Kemp Talbot, and I hate, uh, Kemp Talbot, it may have to go to Capo Kakinen, because he was just not sharp. You're hoping for a guy to come in, it's like he, it's now like he'd been playing. Um, that's what's frustrating about it. It's not like he'd been in the net, not like he'd been tired. This and that were some of the players you could argue that because it was a back-to-back. You're hoping he's going to come in fresh and be sharp, and he wasn't. And you could definitely say it's him in a lot of ways. Or Jordan Greenway. It's kind of both of them. Jordan Greenway, no energy pretty much the whole time, maybe occasionally a little bit here and there, but generally hasn't been good. And Cabo Kakinen was pretty awful, to be quite frank. He'd given up five goals before the end of the second period. That sucks. That's not going to get it done. Save percentage just barely below 83%. 83%. That's not going to get it done at all. So very unfortunate. It's just more excuse for them to overuse Cam Talbot, which was a frustration with me, where I was thinking too much Talbot could bite us later in the season. Um, the, Wild, the Wild have been really good in overtime, which is extremely... Uh, exciting moving forward. It certainly wasn't the case of the previous group, always having Dubnik and Ned, and he wasn't, he just wasn't good in those situations, those three-on-threes. He'd always seem to struggle, and then we always relied on slower guys like Koivu, Parisi, Suter, Stahl, and it just didn't get the job done. Um, those are the main notes going into this one. So with that, again, that's your shepherd is going to be uh, Kakinen and Greenway, and then the Madonna could be uh, basically Zuccarello and Felino. With that said, we'll take a quick break and preview those three games and talk about the prospects. Back here on Ray 
is the wild segment numero dos segment number two. Anyway, the Vancouver Can Schmucks on Tuesday night. Tuesday night versus the Can Schmucks. They are three and one, three two and one. Part of me on the season. Connor Garland, Connor Garland with five assists on the season. He's got three goals as well. He's been very solid for the for the Canucks. Uh, penalty kill the Wilder, 28th, coming into the Nashville game. Coming into the Nashville game, i got to think it's significantly worse. 2 out of 5 to the Wilder, now in the 60s. Probably just about dead last in the NHL. Penalty kill, 28th pre-Nashville. We were 2 for 5 on the penalty kill. Uh, well, you know what I mean. They scored two power play goals on five attempts in the power play. This and that. Wilder, 12th in goals. Vancouver's 9th. 7th in goals against, 19th for Vancouver thus far, but again, this is such an early uh, situation, but still, the penalty kill and the power play got to come for something, the Wild are 10th, the Canucks are 16th, but still kind of semi-evenly matched, Edmonton's off to a fantastic start, along with St. Louis in the Western Conference, Florida, the other undefeated club there in the Eastern Conference, of course, Vancouver lost games to Detroit and Buffalo, they lost to Detroit and Buffalo, well, they opened up the season on the road, so I guess it's not easy. They beat Philly on the road, lost to Detroit and Buffalo. Mm. Ugh. They beat Chicago because everybody's beating them now, and they beat the Seattle Kraken, who we're going to be talking about very shortly. Those are their Northwest rivals coming up here in the next uh, X amount of years, i got to think. Some extremely familiar names on the Seattle team, and we'll talk about them very shortly. How often do we play Vancouver? Three times this year, October 26th, Super Cirrus Cloud Day, back in 1990. That's just a little personal thing with me. 31 years ago, wow. Beautiful Cirrus Clouds that day. I, I'm nuts. March 24th, wow. These are all kind of important days. These kind of Paul Caniff's birthday. He will turn 42 years of age. Hopefully the uh, Shiba coin is skyrocketing still at that point. We'll be doing pretty well. April 21st, because both of us own a, a bunch of them. April 21st, we wrap up the season series versus the Vancouver Canucks. How's this going to go? It's hard to say. Uh, Thatcher Demko, goals against average 2.53 thus far. Their other goal, uh, goaltender is on my fantasy team, Garoslav Halak, former Boston Bruin and other clubs. Of course, JT Miller. JT Miller off to an awesome start. Eight points on the season. Connor Garland, eight points. Quinn Hughes already four. Elias Pedersen. The rising star, not off to a spectacular start. Brock Besser, who just can't stay healthy, seems like he's got two points in, in through only three games. He's already missed half of the year. Brad Hunt has been on the ice once thus far. So Brad Hunt is basically the seventh defenseman for the Canucks, former Minnesota Wild player, obviously very notable there. Well, I don't want to come out negative and start thinking we're going to lose every game, but I can't imagine this is going to be easy. Going to Vancouver. Hopefully the Wild can come back after that frustrating start. Uh, not any major names. Uh, Brady Keeper with a fractured leg. That sucks. September 25th during the preseason. Brandon Sutter uh, with illness as of September 21st. That's a long time ago. How ill can you be, man? Scary. Undisclosed injury. The mystery of the universe. Guillaume. Guillaume. Brebo. How do I? How am I pronouncing that? I don't know. I, I think I got it right. Uh, but I know Guillaume very well from Guillaume Lachandresse. Same spelling and all that. He must be French-Canadian. Hmm, no. He's not French-Canadian. He's, he's Italian or something. Nah. Vancouver, though, with the <laughs> obviously solid start to the season. They're not a great team, 
but a little bit better than some people may expect. Uh, each of Jerome's main club, his second favorite team must be the Wild. At least I'd hope so, since he does soda pod. <laughs> this and that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully he still likes us number two. I'm sure he'll be rooting for Vancouver in this one. They look okay, and this one will be in Rogers Arena. Uh, uh, I'm kind of worried about this one. I think the Wild lose. I don't know. I, th I think we lose two in a row. I, I didn't like what I saw today. I think the Wild are due for a two-game losing streak, which kind of stinks. I think the Wild lose that one 4-2. to two. Regardless of who's in net, the Wild lose 4-2 to two to the Vancouver Canucks. The most likely guy to score for Minnesota versus the Vancouver Canucks. Let's go with Spurgeon. Spurgeon will score, but the Wild lose 4-2 to two in Vancouver. Move on quickly to the Seattle Sea, sea Creatures, the Sea Monsters, the Kraken. Yeah. I'm excited about seeing this one. We visit Seattle for the first time. They're 1-4-1. One, one. So they're not off to a great start, but they have some nice, solid players. The 31st in goals against. So much for Grubauer being the spectacular player. Three games against this club as well, being a Pacific Division club. We visit Seattle now. We visit Seattle again on November 13th and wrap things up on April 22nd in XL Energy Center. Kraken have lost four in a row after defeating the Nashville Predators on October the 14th. Seems like ancient history already. Ten whole days ago. Yep, crazy stuff. They lost 2-1 to one to Columbus, 6-1 to one in Philly. All these were road games except the most recent one uh, with Vancouver. 6-1 to one in Philly. Ouch. 4-2 to two in New Jersey. And then a 4-2 to two loss at home hosting their uh, cross-border rivals, the Vancouver Canucks. I think the Wilds should be able to win this one. Though, they're kind of starting out with like the Wild. Well, no, no, they're not. The Wild were actually really good in that back when they started. Really great penalty kill. We just couldn't score back in the early days of the Minnesota Wild. Back in the good old 2000, early 2000s. Philip Grugrower is out for uh, giving up almost four goals a game. Save percentage is about 80%, uh, 87. He's got some nice defensemen in front of him as well, but just things aren't clicking just yet. Mark Giordano, former Calgary Flame captain and star. He's the captain of the Seattle Kraken thus far. Three points on the season. Jared McCann with a point a game to open things up. Three goals, three assists so far for the Seattle Kraken. Vince Dunn being more productive with Seattle than he was with St. Louis. Already three points in four games. Is there any uh, injury report here with Seattle? Yeah, of course there is. Uh, Morgan Gecki, undisclosed injury. Chris Dreiger, the goaltender, undisclosed injury. And Marcus Johansson, imagine that. Marcus Johansson injured. Remember him? Former Wild Watch. Former Wild Watch. Uh, again, Marcus Johansson is the, uh, well, obviously former Minnesota Wild player. He's played in one game so far and um, nothing. Sounds familiar. Carson Soucy was scratched the first game, but he's played every game since, and he's got one goal. Already conversation about should the Wild trade for him. We'll see. Ryan Donato, about what you'd expect. Uh, he'll get an exciting goal. He'll get everybody, get everybody off their feet and blah, 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 and then he won't score again for a week or two. But good for him. He scored the first goal in the history of the Seattle Kraken. Congratulations, Ryan Donato. Your name is now etched in Seattle Kraken history as the first ever goal scorer for the history of that franchise. Now that I've said history 55 times, who's the first wild player to ever score? Marion Gabrick. That's an easy one in terms of uh, easy name to remember. Ryan Donato, we'll see how well people remember that one in the future for the Seattle Crack. And they also have Adam Larson, the guy who was uh, traded for Hall not too long ago. 
crazy. Uh, now Hall has been all over the place after being traded from the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just move on from the. <laughs> he was traded away from the Edmonton Oilers years ago, Mr. Adam Hall. Uh, the Wild need to win this game. There's no question about it. And the Wild, I think, get the job done. Five to three, maybe an empty net type of situation to get the extra goal. Maybe Seattle just kind of is able to get their third goal. Maybe even five to two in favor of Minnesota. I would hope so that the Wild can get the job done. But five goals for Minnesota. Kirill Kaprizov has multiple goals against the Seattle Kraken. Something's got to happen. It's either going to be Kaprizov or Fiala. I'll go with Kaprizov. He will have multiple goals in the game. Two or three goals, obviously, for Kirill Kaprizov and the Wild win fairly convincingly in Seattle, Washington. Colorado Avalanche. Rut row. Yeah, rut row. That's uh, so Vancouver's Tuesday, Seattle's Thursday, and these are all on the road, by the way. Colorado Avalanche. Ball Arena. Yes, you know those jars? Yeah, that's what ball they're talking about. The glass jars. Exciting, right? Um, and cans and all that stuff. You know, it's exciting uh, company there. But it's been around for eons. <sighs> Boy. They're not off to a great start. Darcy Kemper's not setting the world on fire. In fact, he's getting burned mercifully. He's the one getting set on fire thus far. Their power play's 30th. They have the worst power play, basically. Second worst power play in the NHL. Or is it third worst? Whatever. Yeah, second, third worst. Who cares? It's bad. Uh, their penalty kill is better than ours because everybody's penalty kill is better. We play, play Colorado four times, October 30th, Jan 17th, March 27th, and April 29th, much, much later in the season. Colorado had a three-game losing streak in the middle here, and they bookended with a season-opening win versus Chicago. I still remember that one pretty well. And they beat Tampa very recently on October 23rd. Good job. Good job. Uh, Colorado, obviously, the team I picked to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, but maybe not. Maybe they won't if uh, <laughs> Darcy Kemper and Jonas Johansson is what they got in net, because the Wild beat up on Johansson last year, if I remember correctly. Um, Linus Cog was suspended for a couple games, but he's been extremely uh, productive since. Nathan McKinnon has got five points, leading the overall scoring, but the leading goal scorer is Miko Ratnan with three. Hill McCarr with three assists just far, thus far, pardon me. But Colorado's given up a little too much right now to get too excited, unfortunately, for them. We'll see what happens. Can the Wild beat Darcy Kemper? I think we can. I think we can. And Colorado, might we might as well capitalize on a crappy start by Colorado and get a win on the road. I think the Wild beat Darcy Kemper. I've got a sneaky feeling, despite how good Colorado is probably going to be as the season progresses, I think the Wild win multiple games versus Colorado this year, partially with Darcy Kemper and that. There's something about Darcy Kemper versus the Minnesota Wild that's not good. And if somehow, by the grace of God, the Minnesota Wild wind up with Colorado versus uh, wind up with Colorado in the first or second round of the postseason, I got a feeling, I got a feeling that the Wild could win that series. There's just something going on there, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. They may end up having to make a trade later in the season for a little help. That's why the Wild made a trade, because Kemper just didn't work out here to get uh, Devin Dubnik years ago. Who knows what's going to happen now. Kemper's obviously been a much different goalie since he left Minnesota, but whenever he plays against Minnesota, it's going to be interesting. Um, but if he continues to struggle, I'm sure there'll be some kind of trade with Colorado, at least for a good backup as the season progresses. I think the Wild win versus Colorado. I might be a little bit too optimistic here, but we don't play, we never play Vancouver well for whatever reason. 
And we usually have at least one or two good games versus Colorado, and I got a sneaky feeling right now is the time the Wild capitalize and get the win. Kevin Fiala finally scores. He will get the get get the job done. The Wild win four to three versus the Colorado Avalanche and get the job done with a victory. The Wild go two and one in a three game stretch here this upcoming week. With that said, let's get to the prospects right now. And let's get going talking about those prospects. Let's start off with the Iowa Wild. Uh, Marco Rossi was able to get his first goal with the Iowa Wild in two games. He was scratched in the third game. I'm not exactly sure why. I, I just, <laughs> that one's beyond me, and I apologize if that may annoy people wondering, well, how does he not know? Well, I'm not honestly sure. Uh, Iowa Wild off to a decent start so far. 3-1-0 and oh on the season. Nick Sweeney having two multiple goal, two multi-goal games here in a row against Rockford. Pretty damn cool. He's got four goals on the season, five points, tied with the lead with Kyle Rao, of course, veteran gopher in the past 28 years of age. Nick Sweeney's already 24 as of September the 9th, already 24 years old, but Nick Sweeney standing out in Iowa. Pretty cool. I had a feeling, and he's just one of those guys who's going to put the puck on net over and over. He's like a guy who's going to get like nine shots on goal. Iowa played very well against Rockford recently, obviously 6-3. to three. The scoring is way up. Connor DeWeer continues to be one of those all-situation type of guys. And a lot of people believe he could easily fit in in the bottom six of Minnesota in the future. Moving forward, Adam Beckman would be in the top six. And guys like, obviously, uh, Kalen Anderson needs to be in the top four for defensemen. You know, top two pairings. Marco Rossi has been in two games and scratched a couple games so far. But he did score his first AHL goal. He would obviously be in the top six if he was at Minnesota. Another guy like Will Bidden would be bottom six if he's able to make it at some point. He's got one assist on the season. Getting started, he's kind of a slow starter historically. Both uh, Andrew Hammond and Derek Barabo off to decent starts. Andrew Hammond's been really damn good thus far, but of course, you know, when he's in his 30s, he's a, he's a backup goalie in the NHL, starting goalie in the AHL. Goal is against average of 1.5, and he's 2-0 on the season with a save percentage of 93.5. Derek Barabo, who's kind of one of the, he's kind of basically, he was a free agent acquisition years ago now. Still very young. 2.57 goals against average. He's the full-time backup or plateau, you could say. Hunter Jones is in the ECHL right now developing, which probably isn't the dumbest idea considering he struggled early last year in the AHL. And Derek Barabo was once an ECHL guy. Seems like yesterday. It's already been a couple of years going back into the the COVID year and all that, the pre-COVID. He was with the Allen Americans. Now the uh, the Iowa Wild, Minnesota Wild, <laughs> well, Minnesota Wild uh, affiliate with the ECHL is the Iowa Heartlanders. Iowa Heartlanders, so a new team in the ECHL. It's a Buck, Milwaukee Bucks, right? No, okay, I'm just kidding. They lost three to five most recently to the Kansas City Mavericks. Will Kansas City ever have another NHL team? They had the yeah, well, well they had the scouts before. Interesting name, I guess. Bryce Misley, I'm not too surprised he's in the ECHL. Uh, he's the main prospect, you could say, that's currently actually playing for them. Ivan Ladnia refused to show up thus far, which doesn't really look good, I suppose. He's refused to show up, and he's unpaid at the moment because of it. So that's an awkward, interesting situation. So far, Hunter Jones, who again is Improved last year after a crappy start with the Iowa Wild. He's not up to the greatest start thus far. 1-1 one and one on the season. Four goals against average. Save percentage of 83. Save percentage of 83. Reese Smolek, son of Doug Smolek. Rochester, Minnesota. Pretty cool. He's part of the 
Iowa Heartlander. So the good news is both affiliates are in Iowa. That's kind of cool. Bryce Misley. I kept calling him Misley, but it is Misley. Only 21 years of age. Draft pick a couple years back now. Come Calgary, Alberta. Draft pick of 2017. Fourth round pick. Wasn't all too productive in college. Unfortunately, only three points in a very limited season last year. Uh, Ten points in his junior season. Uh, before the whole COVID bullcrap, you know, basically college season was ending right then, and then there was no tournament. Depressing as all hell. Uh, Misley had three points last year with the Iowa Wild in nine games after uh, graduating from the University of Vermont, or at least finishing his hockey career there. Uh, now he's with the ECHL, and part of the reason why guys like Bryce Misley and Ivan Lodney are being sent, and Hunter Jones are being sent to the ECHL, is because a they want the management wants these guys to develop, and b it's kind of deep. It's it's kind of deep in Iowa. And again, Hunter Jones, I feel, he, they want him to develop. It's like sending somebody down to double-A. Like, hit a couple home runs before you try to come back up to the big leagues. And even in triple-A, you know, like in baseball. ECHL feels like hockey purgatory. And that's why Evan Lodney is so frustrated. He doesn't want to show up. And uh, it's been a frustration with the guy. He's obviously talented, but he's had injury after injury. And then he went to the KHL last year and didn't do that great. Only one goal in 27 games. One up with seven total points. Looked like a rising, improving right wing of the future for Minnesota. Maybe a middle six type of guy. I don't know. Um, people talked about go ahead and dominate that OHL. And he kind of sorted it in 1920. And then he went to the KHL and kind of struggled. So he hasn't been good as a pro thus far. Six games with Iowa. It's already been, God, it's already been three years since he was with Iowa for, for a time. It's already been three years. That's crazy because it was like one of those loans or whatever. Six games and he was a plus two. That's it. With Iowa. Very happy with how Nick Sweeney was developing again with the Iowa Wild. See if there's any other major note on that club. Just Nick Sweeney leading the club in scoring. I think that's cool. Uh, Cram Rosa also had multiple assists in one of the early games last weekend. As Iowa, the Iowa Wild, I swear, their schedule's kind of like the Gophers or something. They almost always play on the weekends, and during the week, it's like off, 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 off. It's kind of weird. Not a fan of that. I wish they just had a normal schedule, but it kind of is what it is. Damian Giroux, a couple of goals thus far. No assists. But again, he's another guy a lot of people like as a possible bottom six Minnesota Wild player. Mason Shaw, goal and an assist. He's still active and healthy and all that good stuff. Uh, 22 years of age. Again, he recovered from three ACL injuries. Sounds like Michael Maudie, former uh, Minnesota Viking linebacker, taken years ago. <laughs> like three ACLs. Good God. Whew, that's, that is really... Mm, oof, that kind of gives me the creeps. Uh, Dominic Tirjean had a spectacular preseason in the AHL, and since then he's only played in one game. That sucks, <clears throat> but that's how it goes. Austin Bright, I've always been intrigued by that name. Three assists thus far. Defenseman for the Iowa Wild. Otten Bright, never drafted in the NHL. He's played in the ECHL. He's been competitive. He was with the Allen Americans and the Iowa Wild last year. Kind of split time between those clubs. Definitely been solid, generally speaking, with the Minnesota Wild as a prospect. I don't know why I'm bouncing all over the place here. Cody McLeod, 21 penalty minutes thus far because he's Cody McLeod. He likes to Mix it up, and he's 37 years of age already. Former Colorado Avalanche. Good for him. Adam Beckman, one goal, two assists thus far as well, with the Iowa Wild being very, very, very productive. Looking forward to things with that. Of course, again, Matt Boldy. I believe he's two weeks in now from the ankle injury, if I remember correctly. If my, yeah, my math in my head, it's got to be about two weeks, because it was right before, and I mean right before 
uh, the last show, the season preview for the Minnesota Wild. Matthew Boldy had the broken ankle. So he's two weeks into the two to, uh, excuse me, the four to six week injury recovery type of deal where he would then suit up for the Iowa Wild and all that. There's no way he's going to jump right to the NHL after that, unfortunately. And Marco Rossi, bummer. He's been scratched a couple games, so we'll see what happens with that. Oh, man. Yep, hoping for the best there. Joe Hicketts was one of those kind of guys brought in basically as a depth guy. Maybe he'd fill in as a fourth liner in some games with Minnesota. One of those kind of fringe, up-and-down, AHL, NHL type of guys. He's played in 22 NHL games this far. Again, signed as a free agent in late July, early August. So, yeah, that's how things stand with that. As we now try to dance around a bit further into the collegiate rankings and such. Uh, Jacob Golden, well, he's not college, he's OHL. Still no OHL action yet. He didn't play all year last year, which is really depressing. Jacob Golden was really emerging in 1920 with the Erie Otters. 27 points after he'd been one of those guys who's usually a single digit to like 10, 11, uh, 10, 11 points in a season. He went all the way up to 27 points in a, you know, in not too many games. 48 in that case during the, yeah, COVID. I'm sick of saying the word COVID, but, uh, yeah, off to a nice, uh, uh, he, he was doing well. I, that kind of sucks. I can't imagine what that's done for his career. Jacob Golden drafted in the 2017 draft. Same as Lon Yeshaw, Misley, and Sweeney. The final draft of your favorite Chuck Fletcher guy, who was about as mediocre as it gets. Let's, uh, I think that's it for June. Well, yeah, I'll play around in the juniors a little more, and then I'll get into college. I also go to Europe really quick. Jasper Wallstead, already nine games for Jasper Wallstead, and he continues to play very well in the net for the Swedish Hockey League. Lulia, Lulia HF, good for him. <laughs> nine, uh, he's been in nine games, five wins, four losses, two point fifteen goals against average, a save percentage just above ninety. Again, doing obviously goals against average way, 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 way down there. It's lower than it's been, other than a one-game stint with uh, Lilia two years ago and during that year. Let's leave that alone. Let's just call it that year. But Jesper, Jesper, Jesper Wallstedt continues to improve behind the scenes. Obviously, it's going to be a number of years until he's here at the end of the day. As we continue to move on here, I don't want to make this too long. Babble forever, but that's kind of how it goes when you get into the prospects. Carson Lambos, nine points already for the Winnipeg guys. WHL just absolutely dominating. He's a plus 10 in the WHL Winnipeg Ice. Carson Lambos, wow, 57 games during that year. We'll just keep calling it that. 32 points. He is going to shatter that as long as he stays healthy. You know, Stay healthy, young man, and it's going to be very exciting. Jack Pert. Four points already as a freshman for St. Cloud State. Very exciting. One goal, three assists. He is emerging right out of the gate. He's still only 18 years of age. 18 years of age. You heard that correctly. Ben Kier and Pilar just continue to be spectacular for the Kamloops Blazers. One of the cooler names and uh, logos and jerseys in the WHL. Of course, there's a lot of cool ones, but he's going to probably have career highs in his WHL career. There's no way he won't, honestly. Six goals already, four assists already in just seven games. Rockin' and rolling. Kyle Masters. Kyle Masters. I don't know why I like to say it that way. Not the biggest numbers. More of a stay-at-home type of guy. He's only 18 years of age. We'll see how he develops. Defenseman, right shot. How many right shot defensemen does this club have in the mix? Good thing Carson Lambos is a left shot. I kept thinking he was a righty, but... Thankfully, he's a left. As years ago, it was, oh boy, we don't have any right shots. We don't have any right shots. Got to get a right shot, right shot, right shot. 
Yeah, but eventually, where are they all going to play? They're going to just rot in Iowa or get traded, right? Eventually, because they're going to get frustrated, just like certain other guys that are now on other teams and stuff, and, and a certain goaltender that's now in the Pittsburgh system, doggone it. Uh, certain goalie, yeah, that guy. But uh, thankfully, Lambos is a lefty. Jack Purdy, I believe he's, yeah, he's left also. Okay, I thought he was right, but that's that's fine. Good. That means you don't, like, have to trade Dumba in, like, 10 seconds. Masters is right. So he'd be, like, third pairing, most likely. Nate Benoit, a lot of people like him. He's a lefty as well. Hasn't scored a single point for the TriStorm USHL, but he's, again, a tough stay-at-home guy. My favorite, one of my favorite draft picks, you could argue, he's got 12 points already in just seven games for the Camelins Blazers. 12 points, four goals, eight assists. I absolutely love Josh Pilar. He's, he's, I guess, slightly older, but he's only 19, so who cares? He's 19. Oh, my God, he's old. He's old. Get his cane. That 19-year-old? God, get off the ice, man. You're too old to be here. Come on. Okay, sorry, I'll stop. Who's Nadinov? Who's he? Who's Nadinov? <laughs> Half a point a game thus far in St. Petersburg of the KHL. This is the KHL. He is 19 years of age, and he's already got 10 points in 20 games. Pretty solid numbers. Not expecting anything spectacular from him, but obviously, again, his skating is ridiculous. He's he's a 200-foot player and all that, 200-foot skater. He is the definition of somebody that uh, <laughs> Bill Guerin wants on this roster. Ryan O'Rourke, Rook, Rook, six points, all assists so far for the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League. He's already got six points. He's a point-of-game defenseman thus far in the OHL. Don't expect a ton of points for him in the NHL. Another left shot. So I, I'm glad how we moved to the left a bit here. Not about not politically necessarily, but uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's leave that alone, right? I'm glad that the uh, Wild moved to the left defenseman-wise, anyway, when it comes to the draft most recently. Damian Hunt, a lot of people love him. Damon, Damian, Damon. He's another left shot. Okay, now we're getting to be like before where we had 19 left shot. But let's just keep going. Moose Jaw Warriors, everybody loves this guy. He's a tough SOB. He just looks tough. Just, just look at his profile picture. <laughs> on, at least in this case on Hockey Database. But it's his general profile pick. That was when he was with Iowa. Six points in seven games for Moose Jaw. He is breaking jaws this far in Moose Jaw. That's pretty much it. He is a tough SOB. Everybody loves what he does, and he's productive. Can't wait to see what he's going to do in the AHL. He played a bit last year. I believe he had just one point, but he was he was noticeable. He had one goal with the Iowa Wild. Pavel Novak, again, another guy a lot of people respect. He's emerging super nicely with the Kelowna Rockets in just four games, already six points. Very much respected. He's got a great shot. Uh, left, or excuse me, right wing. Right shot, right winger from Czech Republic. Sounds familiar, eh, Pavel, uh, Pavel Burnett? Yep, well, yeah, Pavel Bennett, Pavel Novak, obviously, again, very exciting. Talked about Hunter Jones. Let's look a little bit at the college rankings. He's a junior now. Vladislav Firstoff. I can't imagine where Vladislav Firstoff might be from. Yeah, I think he's from Russia, but University of Connecticut, three goals thus far. No points this week, and he had three goals in his first three games. That was kind of cool. Actually, it was his first two games. Um, we'll see how he continues to develop. Obviously, numbers much lower last year because it was only 13 games. College season was, like, started way too late, just like the AHL last year. It was ridiculous. Come on, guys. And back when we talked about him, Matt Veguskov, he's got five points thus far. He's a Centiara for CSKA Moscow. That's a very familiar name there. Five points overall in 14 games, two of them goals for him. Marshall Warren off to a nice, nice start, getting rolling here. After being relatively quiet offensively, left shot defensive, by the way, 
shorter guy, but not that short, uh, for Boston College. Six points in six games, three goals, three assists. Uh, definitely a much better point-a-game guy, where before he was about a third of a point in his first uh, two years in the collegiate ranks. He's now a junior, if I'm remembering correctly. Headed up like seconds ago, and now I'm losing my mind here. Yeah, junior year. Junior year already, eh? So, uh, Marshall Warren, uh, Nikita Nestorenko, a guy who I really enjoyed following with the Chiliwack Chiefs. He was a point-a-game guy in the British Columbia Hockey League. Chiliwack Chiefs, cool uniforms. And he's a New Yorker from Brooklyn. Gotta love that. Only 20 years of age. Five points thus far. A little bit ahead of last year's pace for Boston College. And you gotta think his role's a bit higher now with some significant players like uh, Matt Boldy moving on again, even though it's a different position. But, uh, well, he's played wing. He's played center. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. he shoots left. So he's definitely gonna play left wing. Probably possibly could replace Matt Boldy's position with the Boston Okay, with Boston College. Alexander Hovanov still waiting on the whole, uh, you know, quarantine nonsense uh, coming from Russia, from the KHL. Yeah, I called it nonsense. I'm going to offend everybody now. Uh, so still unable to suit up for the Iowa Wild at the moment. Uh, statistics unavailable for that reason again. So can't wait to see what Hovey can do in the AHL. Very exciting. Here's a guy I really want to talk about as well. Whoa! Uh, he, he's like he, he's like he's like Shiba or Shib S H I B cryptocurrency. You ever heard of it? You, heard, you ever heard of the Shiba Inu uh, cryptocurrency? How it's exploding the last couple weeks here? Yeah, he was doing okay. You know, thirteen points, twenty-one points, nineteen points with less games. Like uh, eleven points in six games. You heard that right? Eleven points in six games. Jack McBain off to a spectacular start for Boston College. Senior already, twenty-one years of age, six foot four. Always imagined him as a bottom six center. Maybe a fourth-line center with the minutes. It just dropped a lot. What the hell? Sheba just dropped a ton. Well, get in and buy it. Uh, probably a little sell-off so people can uh, take some of their money and then buy back, which is what a lot of traders do. Check it out. Cryptocurrency there. But uh, Jack McBain might be a little Sheba in the way he's doing thus far. 11 freaking points in only six games. Nine of them assists. But, hey... Taking advantage of that talent around him. Jack McBain, hey, again, he might be a very productive third-line center someday in the NHL or even a fourth-line center. Who cares? If he's good and he deserves to be here, so be it. Philip Johansson, have I taken leave of my senses? Am I seeing something? He's a half a point a game player so far for Frolunda, the Frolunda Hockey Club of the Swedish Hockey League. Six points in 12 games, five of them assists, plus five? Plus five. He was a minus 10 the year he was drafted with Minnesota, minus 10 in the, in, in Lex, Lexens. <laughs> minus 10, he was a minus 9 the next year. In only three games with Lexens as he was in Swedish Junior, he, he had two points in that one in only three games. It was a quick little, you know, getting things rolling in the right direction. He was a minus 6 last year, but he had double-digit points in 46 games. He got to 11 points, guys, guys and gals. Hopefully there's some females listening. I hope so. And if there are, please uh, mention that you listen. That'd be cool on Twitter, at Brave the Wild, or Facebook. When I'm not, when I'm back on Facebook again in a little bit, we'll leave that private. Plus five so far for uh, Philip Johansson. Good. Good start for Philip Johansson. It's about time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. They always talked about, well, he could at least maybe be a fourth defenseman. <laughs> well, they talked about that with Lambos, too. Lambos is going to make it, probably. Philip Johansson, we'll see. Simon Johansson, the one who was looked on as the more productive one. Kind of a slow start, 14 games with uh, Tampere. 
<laughs> Swedish hockey leagues. Uh, this is called SM Liga. And then there's, he's trying to play for uh, Digital Gardens for the Swedish Hockey League. No points in that situation yet, but two points in 14 games for Tempere. Sounds interesting. Um, who knows? Who, who knows? Not sure if any, either one of those guys is going to suit up for Minnesota, but maybe Phillip. He's starting to pick it up a bit. Jack McBain, keep it up, buddy. We'd like to see what he can do in Iowa and beyond, unless he's stuck in the ECHL. Uh, Sean Boudrias has moved on to a different club. He's with the Fort Wayne Comets. That sounds very familiar. ECHL. A lot of guys have moved on recently. Sam Henches wrapping up his uh, senior year. He's a point-to-game guy right now. One goal, four assists for the uh, St. Cloud State Huskies, the runners-up for the national title last year to Boston. No, not Boston. It was uh, University of Mass with uh, Mr. Philip Lindbergh holding the trophy last year. He's in the Pittsburgh system. What what the hell? Might as well. Thus far, with Willis-Barry, Scanton Penguins, again, a very familiar team to Bill Guerin, and hopefully not the... Hopefully uh, something that doesn't come back to haunt him. I'm really hoping not. Not liking what I'm... not. I don't know. It is what it is. He's allowing just less than a goal a game thus far, and he's 2-0. Anybody surprised? Have you ever heard of the Lindbergh? You ever heard of the Lindbergh guys? Come on. Come on now kind of sad, kind of sad, but uh, I better shut up and move on now to uh, fan interaction conversation right after this. We are back here on Brave the Wild. Final segment, fan interaction. Thank you again, Derek Fells. Got crease and assist, crease and assist. As we both gave the uh, bat signal, but his usually more effective than mine. <laughs> also, do check out his article. I will retweet it right now on the spot. Because I almost didn't 27 minutes ago as of this moment. Retweeting the uh, game. Read all about it. I bet he's awfully frustrated and got a lot to say about how yucky the Wild played this uh, the past few hours here. Very frustrating. We're going to hear a lot from Mike Wasek. Thank you very much, Mike, for jumping on board. I'm going to check and see. There was some interaction earlier as well, including... Damn it, anyway. There's always like a little bit... Uh, I was getting excited about everything. Um, let's go with mentions. Yeah, that'll be a little bit smarter here. Uh, the Brian Herrera was uh, sending a picture saying, Why do you hate me? It was the Winnipeg Jets. That's a funny-looking video. Yep, Scott Forner was saying maybe the best regular season hockey game I've seen in my life. The intensity was incredible. It really was, Scott. Yep, I agree with that. He was kind of tweeting a bunch of us. Tom Hayen was saying nobody circles the wagons like the Minnesota Wild. Nobody. Game four in four days. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Great start. No question about it. I could probably only go back so far if I want to look at this. Marco Saucy. I hammered Anaheim Moneyline big dubs. Alrighty. Yep, Isha Jerome was saying, I love this kid. Yep, he was actually responding to me. Cool. I was saying, hopefully the stands incredible hustle by Jaheim, and, and then they took it away. But, uh, yep, yep, I agree, uh, Isha. He's, he's awesome. Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod from Vancouver Island, British Columbia. I think we know who that is. I think we know where that is and who what team plays there, but that's totally fine. 
Yeah, Tom Hayden was making fun of how I was like saying, it's funny how Seattle was chasing the NBA so strongly and they wound up with an NHL team first. That is kind of funny. I was saying I think it's the darnest thing that Seattle got an NHL team before an NBA team. Tom Hayden responds with, basketball fans will now be excited when Minnesota gets an NBA team. So obviously he was making a jab at the Wolves and I'm thinking, Wolves aren't that bad. I mean, come on. They're not that bad <laughs> at the end of the day. So again, the uh, Twitter account, if I didn't mention it, at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild, that's in case I got a little too excited. Yeah, Brian Herrera was responding to me and MNWild underscore PTY. He was saying, Seattle Metropolitans back in 1917 won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they did. Isn't that crazy? He said, so so yeah, they already had a pro hockey team before as well. And if I remember right, Seattle's oldest team as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. But since both hockey and basketball teams left, hockey returned first. Yeah, that's a good call, Brian. Very good call. <laughs> Wild Fan Club PTY was tweeting to me, uh, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, Seattle Supersonics, with those awesome jerseys, the late 80s, early 90s. That was freaking awesome. Um, oh, yeah, me and Winnesota. Uh, Winnesota, one of the greats out there who's been in Denver many times talking about the uh, calendar of calamity, all the different frustrating things that have happened with the uh, Minnesota clubs over the course of time. What was I tweeting to? Oh, doggone it. I wonder where it all started. Where did it start with me in Minnesota? Shoot, it, it doesn't show the stuff before that. I think we were kind of interacting. I was saying, great to hear. Hope he's doing well. And he said, yep, I'm good now. Hope you are well, sir. He says, doing great. Going to start piecing together part three of the North Stars film this week. And book number two, hockey related, is in the shoot, waiting for a publisher. And that's awesome. I'm very excited about that. So do keep an eye out for Winnesota and his great work. That's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Thoughts on the Rem Pidlick signing. Yep, Jay Bushy. Yep, I was talking about that. Yep, so that now we got back to the last show. Okay, thank you, everyone there, and I want to thank the, uh, uh, there was retweets, I don't know why it's not showing them, there were retweets, and of course it won't show them now, because it's being mean, uh, but that's fine, we'll get caught up to that later, I suppose, if it actually shows, yep, check out, uh, Derek Felska and Teresa Ferries, both of them do a great job with, uh, crease and assist, <clears throat> God, sex, and sin. That'd be Sebastian Barton from Mankato says, first back-to-back, -back and we win both. I like it. Time to come home and get W's. Parisi and Suter, who? Brave the Wild, Crease, and Assist. Yep, thank you very much. Sebastian Barton, God, Sex, and Sin podcast. Do check that out. Though he was busy for a bit there with, uh, obviously, having his uh, second kid. Okay, let's get to the hashtag BTWMN. That's kind of the feature presentation, generally speaking. Not that there's anything wrong with what anyone's saying there, because everything they said was great. <clears throat> but it's a little less organized, and that's on me there, unfortunately. How far back? Okay, well, got a few likes here and there, and here's Derek. Got a question burning on your mind after the club's 4-0 start? Ask Brave the Wild. Just tag your question, hashtag BTWMN, and ask away. Please retweet it. Thank you guys very much that did. I'm going to, before I get to that, I'm going to read a little uh, statement, statement conversation with uh, Derek here. That was a, a private one. We were kind of talking about Dumpster Doug Risebrow. It all started with, see, there's a, a new show out on SodaPod, the SodaPod feed called uh, 
Judd's buds, basically, where it's conversation like Judd's bracket, Judd brackets. He's ba it's basically a prospect show, Minnesota Wild prospect show, which is fantastic. Don't don't give up on me. I like to talk about prospects too. L listen to both of us, or I'm gonna hate you. Right? No, I'm just kidding. But I was imagining. See, imagine if Judd Brackett worked with Doug Risebrow and it was that group of uh, scouts. It'd be Judd's duds. So I kind of started that as a joke. That'd be funny, Judd's duds instead of Judd's buds. That'd be hilarious. So Cody Ullman, yeah, he didn't play this week because he's been injured for three months. Uh, let's see, yeah, Tyler Kuma, he got one point in the last 40 games. Yeah, Tyler Kuma, he was a first-round pick. Uh, Colton Gillies, yeah, he's got three points in 40 games so far for the AHL. Oh, he made his NHL. He's played in 10 NHL games so far with nothing. Yeah, you know, uh, Adam Thielen. No, no, no. AJ Thielen, not Adam Thielen. AJ Thielen never played a game in the NHL. He got cut and all that from his college team. It was just like, this is bull crap. Um, yeah, that would be Judd's duds if Judd Zolgad, uh, Judd, Judd Brackett, was working with Doug Risebrow. And then let's get to where Derek was talking. He said, Doug seemed to have an interest a particular interest for players that were former first-round picks. Guys like Jason Weimer, Eric Chenard, you remember those guys? Andre Zuzin, who I did like a lot. Jason Marshall, who wasn't even close to first-round talent. Brad Brown, who was just a big guy who could fight a little bit, and that was about no skill at all. Alexandre Daig. I am saying it correctly. Not Daigle. Alexandre Daig. In my opinion, Daig did pretty well with the Wild. He gave us what he what we wanted during the Gabrick holdout season, even though we didn't show too much faith in him by sending him to a three-way contract at the time. Isn't that crazy? Um, Alexander Digg, yeah, he was a training camp invite. Can you imagine that? Number one overall pick by the Ottawa Senators in 93, and I'm saying that off the top of my head because I remember all that very well. He was a very exciting prospect coming into the National Hockey League back then. And... That's why I wanted to get on here so I could talk about Dag rather than responding to him on there. I wanted to, like, talk this way. I really was a fan of his. Uh, I really enjoyed him. Uh, it, it sucked how the next year he wasn't the same. But, yeah, he actually led the Wild in scoring, Alexander Dag. It was 03-04, correct? Um, and then, unfortunately, the lockout, that was kind of, he was another one of those guys that was a uh, casualty of that. I don't think he played again, if I remember correctly. I should look him up, actually. Uh, I can't remember... I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, so let's find out right now. Now we got him pulled up here in Momentarily Hockey Database. And yeah, that was it. Yeah, he never played another NHL game. I, I, that's what I thought. He went to the NHL for the Manchester Monarchs and then went to the Switzerland and played all the way up to 2010. Again, he was drafted in 93. He is now 46 years of age. <clears throat> he was really good at the beginning. Well, he was good at the beginning, 51 points. That's a pretty good rookie year. But after that, it was never really the same. Jumped up again in 97 to 51, and that was it. He was very mediocre. Struggled for a bit. Played for Pittsburgh, and then wound up with Minnesota. 51 points. Could never eclipse 51. He did it three times throughout the course of his career, but luckily we were one of them. Pretty cool. The next year wasn't the same. He was banged up a bit. He was good. He wasn't that bad. He was pretty productive in the amount of time, but it's unfortunate. And then off he went to uh, Switzerland, so to Swiss, the Swiss area. That's how that goes. Uh, cool. Thank you for that conversation, Derek. You're awesome. And now we'll continue what he has to say here. What part of our current trends will come back to haunt us first? Can't tell about struggles or poor penalty kill. Poor penalty kill. 
<laughs> I think it's going to continue to haunt us. Uh, Talbot, hopefully, I would pray to God that Cam Talbot is going to kind of get things together. The penalty kill looks like... It looks like that's going to be a bigger problem. It, it does. It looks like it's going to drag for a while. David Spratt might disagree with me. Let's see how he says this here. Because he responded to Derek, which kind of to me, but more to Derek, and that's fine either way. I'll read it. He says, Tending the goal is hard because he never... He has never been elite. I do worry about Cam regressing, so I pick Cam. The penalty kill can't stay that bad, can it? Can it? Yeah, unfortunately, Dave, it can. Unfortunately, but that doesn't mean it will, necessarily. Continue. Derek asks another one, says, What other NHL team's hot start has surprised you the most? Uh, there's a few. I closed it, didn't I? No, I didn't. I'm going to open it up again. To make sure. I'm not super surprised St. Louis is doing well because they have a lot of talent and when uh, Mr. Bennington is, is, is solid that's nice. Uh, Edmonton a little bit because their goaltending situation is a little funky but they're playing great and obviously they're very top heavy. I gotta say the Sharks like 4-1 and one for the San Jose Sharks. Damn I mean they finally lost a game. 4-0 and oh start for the Sharks that's pretty surprising. I would have to say Detroit being 3-2 and two is good but it's not spectacular. Uh, Buffalo's even 3-1. and one. Jeez. I'm not super surprised by the Rangers. I'm not surprised at all by Carolina or Pittsburgh being undefeated. Uh, St. Louis, again, not overly surprised because they have talent. Edmonton has got a ton as well. Sharks. Sharks. Long story shorter, hopefully. I'll stop babbling too much. Derek, one more time, or at least once again, would say, last night, Jewel Arsenek got called for embellishment on a cost check by Ryan Getzloff. That was also called. Was it a cross check or wasn't it? I would say Getzloff was absolutely a cross-check. I didn't see much from Jules Arsenek. That was very frustrating. Uh, but Ryan Getzloff, yeah, that was obvious. Ryan Getzloff, that was some bullcrap what he did, and I couldn't believe he was flipping out the way he was. Uh, Ryan Getzloff, hopefully I'm reading that correctly. Uh, Getzloff, it was bullcrap, but generally, I, don't, I hate to sound like a homer, but it seemed awfully frustrating at the end of the day that, uh, I don't know, I don't think Jules X should have been in the penalty box for that one necessarily as much as uh, Gatsloff. It's so obvious. Derek Felskis says, Do you like the Minnesota Wild goal song? Shout. You make me want to shout. Throw my hands up and shout. If not, what would you success, uh, suggest? Pardon me. It's okay. It's a cool song. It's classic. I actually thought it was older than it is. It's, it's from the late 70s. I thought it was from the 50s. I used to think that, actually, for many years. Because it's got that really old-style sound. I like it. Does it excite me? Not really. But I, I, I like it. I don't really have any great suggestions at the moment. Obviously, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, I, I, what do they call that? Glitter? Hay? Or whatever. I forget what the name of that song is now. I, it's like rock and roll, right? That's actually what it's called. Um, that one's classic, but of course, the, yeah, the guy was accused of being a big-time pedophile, I guess. So that's one of the reasons he's not been around. And, of course, it's been done a million times, but brings me good memories of the North Stars. I'll say stick with Shout for now. If I have a better suggestion, I'll bring it up, because I'm not really sure. I'm not a big. I'm not the greatest music mind in the world. I love a lot of great 80s music. Everybody wants to rule the world, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, but I don't know if that would fit. Nah, I don't think it would. That might be if you win the game or something. Brian Herrera 
says, with DeHame improving in every game this season, do you see him taking Greenway's spot on the Felino line? I haven't seen much from Greenway so far, and DeHame looks like he could fit uh, could fill that role with some more punch. I think so, too. I think you're right on the money there. I think DeHame has got third line all over him. And if he does score, it's going to be those greasy goals. It's going to be off his skate. It's going to be, like, you know, random deflections, you know, whatever it is. Uh, just momentum and power going to the net. He is not scared at all. And Greenway has never played with assertiveness. He never has. And I don't think he's ever going to. He's too far in his career now, even though he's still very young. If he was going to show more, he would by now. He, he, he's, he's Charlie Coyle 2.0. DeHame, there's a little extra... So yes, I, I agree with you with that. Uh, I do. Greenway might wind up in the fourth line one of these days, which might sound insane to somebody out there. He's got more skill than DeHame, I believe. But DeHame has got more grit, and there is enough skill there for him to be successful on a third line uh, role, I gotta believe. It's not like we're gonna ask him to be on the top power play unit or anything. But maybe once in a blue moon on the second one. Jay Bushy, welcome back. Welcome back, Jay. And again, welcome back, Brian, as well. Uh, Jay says, what can the Wild do to better their penalty kill? It definitely needs work. Uh, I guess better... It's hard to explain. It's hard to imagine. Obviously, practice it as best they can. I, I'm having a hard time with that one. Better placement. Control the puck better. You know? Better puck control. Don't just kind of fling it around the way they have been. I, I, I think they've had poor puck control. That's one of the biggest problems. The the stupid turnovers and, again, just positioning, generally speaking. That's the best I can do. I'm not as good at some of that as some people might might want to believe. Um, Derek Felska says, what NHL team slow start has surprised you the most? Cool, I'm glad you brought that up. So I might as well go to the other side of the equation here. Slow start has surprised you the most. Seattle, No. Uh, Vegas has got to be way up there. But again, they've had injuries. Montreal, not surprising. Not surprising. They're the, uh, they're the, we lost the Stanley Cup and we didn't belong there anywhere. Uh, anyway, that's what they are. Uh, Tampa's 2-2. Two and two. Toronto, 2-3. Two and three. New York Islanders haven't been doing much. A lot of teams are kind of starting off slow out of the gate. I guess it's a little early, but generally Vegas, but they do have injuries. No packs already, again. And now Mark Stone's out for a good month. So that sucks. Paxtoretti's like their overall leading scorer sometimes. And then Stone is their best player by a mile. Uh, Colorado. Colorado's the worst one so far. By, uh, you know, with uh, It's Colorado or Vegas, generally speaking. Chicago 0-5. It's pitiful. They've been, like, invisible thus far. Let's just go with Colorado because a lot of us expected a little bit better, generally speaking. Uh, in Chicago, I mean, they're minus 15 with uh, th- with uh, Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury is a goaltender, so can't imagine he's a happy camper right now. Uh, he was promised he wouldn't be traded from the Golden Knights, and he was. So that is what it is. Uh, big mess there. Big mess. Mike Wasik says, possibly that GM Bill Guerin finds a way, possibly that GM Bill Guerin finds a way to get Susie back to show up to the back end. I wouldn't be overly surprised. I know he's a big fan of his, and I can't imagine he would cost too much. It depends on the price, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I can't imagine that being that crazy, though. <clears throat> okay, Mike Wasik says, typical Minnesota sports fan reaction, but I think 
we are seeing a defensive slide. Goalie, penalty kill, defensive structure from last year, and have had some good luck to overcome it. What are stats showing? Let's see. Fan reaction, but I think we are seeing a defensive slide. Goalie, penalty kill, defensive structure from last year. Well, our penalty kill is in the 60s. That's like the worst of all goaltending. It's all kind of together. It's all kind of together. Obviously, again, losing Ian Cole's not good. Losing Carson Soucy's not been good. Um, it's not like Merrill and Kulikov have been bad, but they aren't as good. Dumba is still turning the puck over on a regular basis. Brodeen, probably the best defenseman we have. Golgothi's not Ryan Suter. He's good, but he's not Ryan Suter. I didn't like Ryan Suter's uh, dictator-like behavior in the locker room, but there's no question he was a little bit better, at least a little bit better than Goligoski, if not a, a significant amount better. So it's, it is a downgrade. It is. And when you lose defense, uh, good defensemen, the goaltending is going to struggle or it's going to suffer, pardon me, like it did with Dubnik. Or actually, Dubnik was the bigger problem than the defenseman, so what am I talking about? Um, but yeah, goaltending is going to struggle, uh, especially when guys got injured like the Brodines or the uh, Suiters or the Spurgeons in the past. It's not the same right now, generally speaking. We're going to need, uh, it's going to have to be more of a team effort, but that's definitely part of it. It's kind of a combination of the three. The stats, though, are showing, yeah, penalty kill is just horrendous, and obviously goals against, it's it's, it's higher than it should be, let me tell you. Um, let's see if I can get a better feel, feel on the uh, <coughs> Minnesota Wild's current uh, goaltending numbers here, because it'll be updated on Hockey Database. They're usually much faster than others, generally speaking. As again, yep, Zuccarello at six points, blah, blah, blah. Kakinen's given up 5.36. Talbot's numbers are good, but that's because of the start of the season, but still save percentage is under 91. It's just above 90%. 2.68, and he's 4-0 on the season. So, obviously, he's been winning games, and his numbers are okay, but uh, crappy uh, couple of games, though. Mostly versus uh, Winnipeg giving up five. Kakinen just wasn't good today. He just didn't seem like he was really ready, and the guys in front of him weren't ready either. It was just an overall yucky game for the Minnesota Wild. I think that's it in terms of questions and all that. Uh, generally speaking, I'd like to encourage people to get the Vigit application. Do download that. If you could, download the Vigit application on Apple or Google slash Android phones. It's basically free sports betting. Uh, well, it, there, there, there's no money or anything. It's bet-free coins, win real prizes. There's no real money wagering. It's more like fantasy betting. So definitely look that up and download it. And, yeah, if you could join, that's for a referral. Type in Paladino Live. Paladino Live. That will be in your... That'll be in the show description. I'm just making 100% sure that's everybody. I think it is. Okay. There's a little bit more from Black Space here. That'd be Sebastian. He says he's a sucker for the classic wild logo. Yep, with a squiggly look. I, I like that, too. It's awesome. I think that's great. Uh, he's saying he couldn't wait to see the wild and all that. The wild flat in the third period. Feels like they can't complete a pass. Yep, that was a few days ago. It was definitely a frustrating uh, night. I think that's everything. I just want to make 100% sure I got all of Mike's... Uh, okay, yeah, there is more. There is more. 
Not too many more, but a couple more. Uh, BSN showed some amazing stats with KK, Kirill Kaprizov, and Fiala on the ice at the same time. Will Wadeen look at putting them on the same line in 5-5? Five and five? I gotta think right now, if, if something's working, you might as well go for it. So, I mean, whatever's working, I'm sure he'll, he'll shovel the lines and uh, put the right players together. I mean, why not? So, I mean, I, I would say why not? Obviously, because the scoring is sporadic, and after tonight's game, geez, it was pretty rough. Uh, Mike continues, says, maybe answered tonight, but concerned about the way Kirill Kaprizov looked the last night. Seemed something off. That was against the, uh, the Ducks. Concerned that late trip into the boards, previous game, may be a factor. It could be, yeah, because he got, he got, he looked like he got hurt a bit there, and he was very ginger getting up, so could be. He could be playing hurt a bit, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, so I, I second your uh, concern there. And that will wrap up the fan interaction segment. So deeply apologize, uh, deeply apologize if I missed anything. Uh, really, really thank all of you for interacting. Really, really appreciate every one of you. It means a lot. A couple of shout-outs to Minnesota Wild Global and Minnesota Wild Nation. Absolutely love those pages. Of course, um, <clears throat> MNW Prospects. I'm proud to be a part of that, where we cover the Minnesota Wild Prospects in all over the place, all over the world, and the... Uh, college ranking, AHL, ECHL conversation with that this and, the, uh, this and the other keeping up with all the prospects, looking forward of course we talked about those a bit just in the previous segment and fine final thing would be great to hear from you if you were to call in to Brave the Wild via just by using an audio submission it's not really a call, but it, it's like a call by opening up the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet simply open it Press record, talk into it like a phone call, hit stop, share it, slash email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, and you will lead off the fan interaction segment. Your voice will be on here, and we'll have a cool conversation in that sense. Keep it to about five minutes or so. It's like a voicemail, basically. And I will then edit, uh, not edit, but uh, convert it into an MP3 file, thanks to zumzar.com. Please do write a positive rating for Brave the Wild on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher or Audible would be greatly appreciated. And those of you that have, thank you again so much. Hopefully the Wild can get things back in gear here with the penalty kill. It would be great. It's been a big struggle. Luckily the Wild are 4-1 despite such a terrible penalty kill. And hopefully this is the Wild's power play with the train coming. And that won't be Wild opponents when they're in the power play because it has been that way so far. Until next time, which could be a week from now, it could be two weeks. Until then, go Wild. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.